You're listening to the podcast of East River Park Christian Church. If you'd like to find out more information about the church or donate to this ministry, please visit us at eastriverpark.church. We pray that this is an encouragement to you as you grow in Christ through the local church. Everyone good? You want to do this? Yep. Sure. All right. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Behind the Message with Jason and Chris and Jason. Yep. Uh, so here's where I'm at with all this, okay? We haven't talked about this ahead of time. I was like, I have been promoting, like last week, I said, Jason Baker, special guest, okay? We're probably going to run this until the summer break of the first annual series. We'll keep doing behind the message is what I mean by that. And then after that, then I'll have Chris decide whether you should be a special guest or on the show, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and by show, I mean a podcast episode mm. that, like, I don't know, our moms listen to. <laughs> I guess not that, my mother listens your, your mom doesn't probably listen to this? Probably not. Yeah. Mine either. <laughs> so. Yeah, but you had... Do you have anyone in your family like... Oh, my wife listens to it. Yeah. Thanks, Karina. We love you. You did a great job at the prayer night. So, um, all right. Well, it's a new week, and we're in 1 Samuel 18 again. But before we get started, it's all about marriage this week. Um, shaking your head, Parker. Oh, yeah. Chris, Chris was mad at me when I had walked into the I would the say building. mad. He just like... Questioned. Questioned me as soon as I walked into the building. It's like me walking into my home and Corey's like, what are you doing? Um, I'm at that stage of parenting where the kids, they they didn't even look up from the TV when I walked in yesterday. And I'm like, hey, Judah still likes me. He's at that age where I'm like, he's still happy I'm home. Um, But all right. So... Because it's a marriage kind of, um, well, you'll see in 1 Samuel 18, um, let's, let's start off with a question about weddings. What's the best wedding you've ever been to? Baker, what do you say? What's your... uh, I'd have to say my own. Yeah, yeah I was <laughs> going to say Baker. <laughs> Not quite sure what other answer I'd have other than that. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I'm just gonna stick with that. My own, your own. Yeah, where'd you own all, did you? Where did y'all get married? We got married at an amphitheater in Natural Tunnel Park in Duffield, Virginia. Well, that's pretty cool. I yeah. wasn't expecting that. Yeah. So not at a church. Nope. Oof. All right, strike one. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I like to feel the wind in my hair. <laughs> oh man, what on um, what time of year? It was September twenty eighth. Oh, so that's a good. That's a good. It was a going. good day. Yeah, it was good weather, so not it's too hot. <laughs> Be very careful. Yeah, it's, 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 it's very good day. It was the best day of my life. <laughs> I'm glad I made this decision. Well, it's usually really windy up there, and it was like perfect. There yeah. wasn't any wind or anything. So was it a big wet? Like you had a bunch of people you invited, or a smaller one? Uh, pretty good size. I think probably like a hundred, hundred fifty, mm-hmm. somewhere around there. Yeah. yeah. How about you? Just one you've attended. Come on, Chris. 
I guess the only one that I can remember <laughs> would be at my cousin's wedding. What was so special about the that? The food was Dude. amazing. She had like a taco, a taco <laughs> bar at her wedding. I, no, honestly, that's my answer. I think my favorite <laughs> weddings, uh, other than my own, for sure, let's not get in trouble on the podcast, um, is the ones that serve the best food. Yeah. yeah. Which is, I guess I mentioned the end of the message Sunday was, that was the top mm-hmm. food. But I've had some good food weddings um, over the years. Um, oh, I, I, I'll mention one that didn't make sense to mention on Sunday. Um, it was Corey's friend, like her best friend growing up, and they asked me to do the wedding, and it was at some like fancy hotel in Cincinnati. And the food was, was real solid. And, um, but like at 10 o'clock when you're like, all right, they served alcohol at this wedding. So there were people there that should have gone home a long time ago, (laughs) but they're still there. So at 10 o'clock you're thinking, let's wind this down Mm -hmm. and send these people home. And they brought out like a whole brick oven pizza buffet thing. It was so good. That was, so if you serve good food at your wedding. I'm there. Yeah. Now, at, just as a side note, um, our rehearsal dinner, Cornice rehearsal dinner, was, I think I told you, it was fried chicken from Kroger in my parents' garage. So, I, just in case anyone tries to say I'm not from the South, that's a pretty, <laughs> that's a pretty, it's a pretty southern, southern thing, yeah. yeah. People, are like, that's a Kentucky thing. We don't do that. They don't do that in Tennessee. But it was good. It was good. No one dressed up. We went to the church, did the rehearsal, and came back and ate fried chicken in the garage. Mm-hmm. All right, it's First Samuel eighteen time. If um, people want to read it, they can read it. Seventeen through thirty. The question is, who is our bridegroom? Um, and the first question, a first official question for you, Baker, what does a biblical marriage look like? Because we're going to read, or at least discuss, um, a very messy marriage in this, yeah. that's forming in this passage. But what's a biblical marriage look like? We'll read a couple short passages here and then answer. Uh, Matthew nineteen five through 6. So therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh, so they are no longer two but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let no man separate. So, um, you know, a biblical marriage, I believe, is between two believers, uh, and it is a covenant relationship reflecting Christ and the church. And Ephesians 5.25, husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. So, you know, in a biblical marriage, we're going to honor the relationship between Jesus Christ and the church, reflect that, and uh, live sacrificially towards each other. Yeah, that's so. good, man. That's good. And I think in our culture, so much of that was assumed for so long mm-hmm. that it's good to state that I think I'm, I'm actually asked questions about marriage quite often from people in our church and community that that might have been very obvious in the past and now it's like okay well 
let's address this from a biblical perspective in ways that we never would have had to address that before. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, that's good. Um, that is going to set the, the stage for the rest of these questions. But for you, Chris, how is Jesus the bridegroom to the church? Uh, in Scripture, Jesus is symbolized as the bridegroom in the church, his symbolic bride. Um, so Christ has sacrificially and lovingly chosen the church to be his bride. Yeah, and I, I quoted that passage in the Gospels where Jesus identifies himself as yeah. the bridegroom when they talk about fasting. Yes. So, yeah. should we still fast today? Anyone? I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Yeah, I think it's still legitimate practice. Hmm. All right. Well, that just made me hungry, y'all talking about it. <laughs> it can be more than just foodie, too. I mean, that's yep. media. You can... But anyway. Yeah, I, when we were at um, the Springdale Community Church in Louisville, uh, the, one of the main youth guys wanted all of us volunteers to fast in preparation for some youth thing we were doing. And Corey and I made it till like late lunchtime and then we're at Fazoli's and we're like well let's not tell anyone about this <laughs> and now you have <laughs> yeah but too many years have gone by there's a what do they call that where like you can't be can't get in trouble when it's too long um, um yeah yeah I know what you're talking about I don't know what's called statue of limitations yeah yeah yeah, yeah. 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 Those free breadsticks are too enticing. <laughs> um, man, have you have you all been to the Fazoli's in Johnson City? I have, but it's been on several years. Like twenty years. I think it's the yeah. best deal in East Tennessee. That place is so good. They're incredibly nice. Everything is super hot. Did you go on Sunday? No, they wouldn't uh, go. <laughs> they wouldn't go. My kids would go with me all the time, but Corey, Corey's like, nah. no, I don't know where we ended up eating. Sunday. We might have just ate at home, um, which is probably the better financial decision. <laughs> All right, so who's our bridegroom? Was this a three-parter? Yes. Nice. So point one is he's the bridegroom that chose us. Uh, Jason, first question for you, Jason Payne. Why did Saul <laughs> want David to marry one of his daughters? Um, if you're if you're reading through the text, verse 17 shows us at the beginning. Uh, we see that Saul wants uh, the hand of the Philistines, the enemies, to be against David. You find mm-hmm. that out at the very beginning from Sunday when we read verse 17. Well, we really don't see what what that. How is that going to work out? You know, we know we see that Saul is thinking that in the passage. We're like, well, what does that mean? Um, you don't see the trap until you get down to verse 25. Uh, that's when you find out that Saul's trying to trap David in an impossible bride price. I think that was his intentions, um, even when he wanted David to marry Merab, his, his oldest daughter. He's trying to trap him in an impossible bride price so he can send David out against the enemies um, and be destroyed by the Philistines, which we'll talk about in a minute. But um, question to you, Baker, why was David shocked that Saul chose him to be a son-in-law? So verse 18 of the passage, uh, David said to Saul, Who am I? 
And who are my relatives, my father's clan in Israel, that I should be son-in-law to the king? Um, you know, he was poor. He had no reputation. Didn't have anything to offer uh, for his daughter. So I think that's why he was shocked. He didn't feel that he was worthy. What do you think he meant when he said he had no reputation? Like, he killed Goliath. And then previously we've seen him, if all that chronologically falls in line, all the women are like, Saul's killed the 10,000. And then David, or David's killed the 10,000. David's like, no one, I don't have a reputation. I think he's constantly gave God the glory for those actions. Yeah. So he was taking no credit for himself because he knew who accomplished those feats. Yeah. I'll pass. I'll take that. That's a that's a good one. That's a good one. Um, you think his uh, Mikal is a a good wife or a bad wife? It's a good decision. You're gonna find out. She's she's, <laughs> she's not as glorious as this marriage seems to be. Um, all right. Well, let's uh, move on. Oh, all right. I'll stop talking. This is my question. So, uh, pain. How does God choose us today? I don't know how simple this is going to be, but I'm going to. It's probably my longest answer, so I'll give. I'll try to make it as simple as possible. When we say choosing, in many ways we're discussing, I would say maybe the doctrine of election. But for simplicity's sake, let's keep with choosing language, even because scripture uses that, which we'll read. Uh, there's two main camps to consider when we think of choosing. I mentioned this to you, Baker. It mm-hmm. might have even been Sunday morning, um, maybe after the um, service. But two main camps that might be helpful to think through when we think about that. There's the corporate camp. And I would say there's the individual and corporate camp. So you're in one of those two, usually. Um, here's what I mean by that. And we're just going to focus on the New Testament when we think about this. The corporate camp would say God chooses his church, the bride of Christ. This choosing language is just the entirety of all believers. Uh, this camp would say it's um, referencing the church who he knew would one day believe in him. So like just a big group. Um, the individual corporate camp would say, well, God chooses individuals to be a part of that chosen corporate group, meaning God chooses some individuals and not others. Um, this is a real simplified version. This is, there's a lot more to say about all that, but I, I think I would say I'm more in the latter camp. I see both the individual choosing and the corporate choosing in scripture. Um, and I could be wrong in all that. That's where I'm, I I'm currently am. I read this on Sunday. I'll read it again. Um, because I think it... Not only does it show um, the reality of God choosing, it also shows both camps, in my opinion. So Ephesians 1, verse 3, it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us, so there's a, more than just individual, in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. 
In love, he predestined us for adoption as sons and daughters, or sons. Sorry, I was that was an NIV um, translation that I added there. <laughs> sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of His will, to the praise of His glorious grace with which He has blessed us in the beloved. So my point on Sunday, it doesn't really matter what camp you're in, although people would disagree. I'd say both camps can be encouraged by this clearly biblical view of choosing. If you have believed, repented, and been baptized into Christ, you are part of the chosen people of God. Um, And it's okay to be encouraged by that. You're not like falling into some sort of, um, I don't know, heresy. You're not falling into um, some sort of doctrine that you categorically disagree with. It's just, just it's, it's biblical. So it's okay to be encouraged by this reality that you're a part of, of, of a chosen people. Um, so there can be a lot more to say about that. Um, if you're a guy, uh, just stick with Bibles and Bacon, and Jason Baker will eventually address <laughs> it in this book. And I'll let him have all the fun with that. What chapter is that? I think it's 12, so about seven months from now. Seven months from now. <laughs> if you can wait. Yeah. It'll be if, exciting. If we're all still alive. <laughs> um, so, anyways. Did any of that make sense? I was typing that last night, and I thought, I don't know how clear that is or even how helpful or that is. But All right, well... If it wasn't, forget what I said. Chris, why is it encouraging to know that God includes you in his chosen church? It's good to know that you're part of a, a community of, um, of people who are united in their faith and love for God. Um, it's encouraging to know that you have access to the blessings and promises that are revealed in his word. Um, I mean, you're also... Surrounded by people who 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 encourage us through prayer, um, and, and helping us grow in our faith uh, through the through the teaching of of God's word. Yeah. Is it is there any irony that God chose His church, and then we're called to choose a local church? Hmm. Why did you choose East River Park, Chris? Um, have I not told you this? I don't know. Oh. Um, my mom suggested it when we moved here. She oh. uh, guest drove down. I don't I mean, know if I have heard that. Drove down this road and you pass like what five churches to get to my house. Yep. And she's like, "Why don't you try East River Park?" And I'm like, "Okay." <laughs> like I don't know that. Which one is it? There's no sign out front. Well, there was a, there was a sign back then. <laughs> Can I publicly address that real quick? And then I. I want you to finish. Um, um, That there's a permanent church sign on order. So that's coming for people that are curious. We kept putting these signs up and the weather would rip them apart. So I asked um, very sweet Anita to like, can we get a large yard sign? And then someone just drove through it last week. So at this point, I don't even care. We're just going to be secret. Maybe we'll try to get another one up, but... Yeah. We're just gonna be secret church for right now. But alright. Yeah, so, so your she mom suggested was... this one. Um yeah, when we moved I uh, visited one time and 
I've gone. I, I haven't gone to any other church down this road. Yeah. Ever. <laughs> Just this one. Huh. Yeah. About you, Mr. Jason Baker. The church we were going to had shut down because of the pandemic. And we had moved to Elizabeth, and so we wanted a closer church. Um, <clears throat> the drive to the church we were going to anyways was getting to be too long for Karina to make. So we got online and just started like looking at churches in town and listened to a couple of your sermons, and we are like, okay, we need to go visit this church. Mm-hmm. And like the first time we came... We pull in the parking lot, and Mark Duty is literally standing in the parking lot, like greeting people, just walking around the parking lot, like yeah. shaking hands. Yeah, we try to tell him and, to knock it off. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, I mean, we it's we like came. getting in people's cars. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's cool. That's good. Um, but yeah, I mean, we came and just fell in love with being here, and you know, we know God's word is held up where it needs to be at this church. So can I ask a random question mm-hmm. when you, when you were Googling, which mm-hmm. I'm sure you were churches, what were you just Googling churches in Elizabethan or was there something? Well, more specific? I think Karina is actually the one that found you out. We were doing our own searches okay, and just kind of looking around online, seeing what was out there. And y'all were one of the few churches that actually had a statement of faith up and well, the few churches that had one that was up that seemed to actually line up with the Bible. Yeah. So it's a good start. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's good to know what you know what yeah. what the church believes. Kind of give that that overview. So yeah. Yeah, yeah. I just got tricked into coming here. So <laughs> actually, Corey was the one that found these here report. She was. Hmm. I'll, I don't think I'll ever forget sitting in my office. And um, she had texted me the link to the job posting for East River Park. And I clicked on it and I'm like, I don't know, they're contemporary. I like that, not just because I love contemporary worship music. I just like that, at least that mentality. Um, And they were elder-led. And uh, I told you, I don't know if I've told you, but like expository, they wanted expository preaching in the job description, which almost, yeah. I mean, even Southern Baptist churches weren't saying that. Um, so I was like, all right, well, maybe they'll reply back. And then Derek was the one that emailed me. Jenny was the first one to call me. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. I had a, Jenny left me a voicemail and I saved it on my phone forever. <laughs> She thought it was creepy, and I was like, yeah, but listen, Jenny, this is the first time you called me. So, yep. Isn't that somewhat interesting? Like, I guess you search for one, but I think a lot of times it's just, just invite. If if people in our church would just invite other people, uh, that's, you can't replace that. What did you say about how many people showed up for Easter and we didn't have a sign, not a sign up at all? Yeah, there's no sign. Yeah. yeah. The in, it's the invite. Um, and then the age of technology, just put the phone in your, the address in your phone and turn where it looks like there should be a church. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, we really don't have anything. I, I met with, I was meeting with someone yesterday and they were 
talking about like just the authenticity of the church in the sense that like, we don't have like flashy programs or anything and um and I told him I said I think that that was a authenticity was a play at the beginning because we had no other play but the truth is is we hope that's always mm-hmm. the play like I don't we don't have anything else we're not trying to be something we're not just be real and um yeah our I wish things were looked a little more flashy around here at times, but that's not our church. And um, so, yeah, if you want a church with a church sign, it may not be us for a few more weeks. Um, all right. Well, two. Uh, he is the, who is our bridegroom. He's the bridegroom that purchased us at great price. Uh, this is for you, Baker. What did Saul require of David? To marry his daughter, Michal. So verse 25 from the text. uh, Then Saul said, Thus shall you say to David, The king desires no bride price, except a hundred foreskins of the Philistines, (laughs) that he may be avenged of the king's enemies. So one hundred foreskins of the Philistines. Yeah. Listen. My undergrad degree is in youth ministry, and I most of my ministry has been youth ministry, and I didn't make one joke about this on Sunday. <laughs> I'm proud of myself, so that's maturity, growing a lot. Um, <clears throat> it doesn't mean we're not going to make jokes on the podcast, but <laughs> um, yeah, that was that was rough. Did. <laughs> Did any when I say Mikal, did anyone thought oh I thought her name was Michael? I because I read that for a long time yeah. like Michael. Yeah, and that's like, what I kind of thought too. And maybe it is. I know I'm a Michael. girl named Michael. Yeah. Do you? Yeah. Like right now? Yes. In this town? She lives in the Tri Cities. Yeah. Is it getting serious? No. <laughs> <laughs> I know her and her husband. Oh, okay. <laughs> Don't disqualify yeah. yourself from being an elder. This and she and she spells it like this. No. Oh, okay. No. You just, her name n- next time you see her, just call her Mikael. 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 That's good. <laughs> All right. Anyway, <laughs> Pastor Payne, for you. How is this another plot to kill David? Um. There could be more, but the first plot was just a reactionary pin David to the wall. Yeah. Um, the old spear. Yeah. The second plot I would group into, um, this was a plot, uh, to trap David in this marriage, which we've discussed. So there was the first trying to get him to marry Mara. And then, uh, then he tried to get her, get him to marry, uh, Mikhail. So, that was marriage. And I, here's another one that I referenced earlier, but I actually did read in a commentary. I think it's it's a fair point to make. I didn't bring it up Sunday, but it's possible that Saul knew that Mikhail maybe wasn't going to be the best wife to David. Um, in the sense that that maybe she, as the, the proof, the narrative will show as we continue on with the story, that maybe... Um, she didn't really love David for David's heart. Mm-hmm. She loved David 
because of his looks and his success that he was having and that Saul knew his daughter enough to know why she was really attracted to mm. David. And that's why he wanted, also why he wanted her to marry David. That's a lot of conjecture. So that's, I was, and you can see, um, as we'll go through First Samuel, that there's, there's times you're like, that's not a, that's not what a good wife would do. Yeah. Um, so maybe there's some truth to that and, and Saul's thinking, but, um, I'm not sure that was a clear plot, if, right. if that makes sense. So for you, this was my trap question for you. You were on trap. I wanted to trap you to say something weird on the podcast. <laughs> what victory did David return with? What's Dave, the proof? David returned with 200 foreskins. You know what? I, <laughs> to prove that he killed 200 Philistines. Yeah. That's your trap question. Yeah, but the, I think I mentioned it at the prayer night. Not during prayer night. But this is after. <laughs> or just the thought that like it was... Saul says this and David's like, all right. You know, there's not like, what? Yeah. Now, I mean, there's a whole lot of... Um, like being a part of God's covenant people uh, with circumcision that we're not... I haven't even really addressed on Sunday morning with David or with Goliath um, being uncircumcised. And then, uh, I mean, that's truly why why Saul is asking David to do this. It's not just some weird thing he's saying. Um, he's It's almost like, I want them dead and through this terrible process that they'll belong to God um, not in a saving way but in a you know God destroyed the enemy kind of way um, there's a lot of to go through all that but um, yeah anyways I didn't I didn't think I made any joke on Sunday no one's proud of me for that I'm 25 year old Jason in youth ministry is proud of where I, how far I've come um, I feel like if I preach this at 25, the elders would have to sit me down after. <laughs> and be like, I don't really like where you took the direction of that message. But sanctification, it, uh, it does work. Um, all right, beggar, what price did Jesus pay for us? Um, first Peter two twenty four. He bore he himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. So you know, he paid the ultimate price. He lived a perfect life. You know he was crucified, sinless. He bore our sin. He had brutal physical torture. Um, the true brutality was our sin being laid upon him and then the father pouring his wrath out on Jesus. So not only did he die, he died the most painful physically, spiritually, any possible way you can look at it. He bore um, our sins and died in a way that we're not capable of dying or would probably even be willing to die. Yeah. So You think... There's always this picture of Jesus being everything in this story. Like Jesus is 
the shepherd, but he's also the sacrificial lamb. Jesus is the bridegroom, but also is the one that pays the bride price. You know, mm-hmm. like there's, um, I don't know. So that's good. That's a good answer. Um, so likewise, Chris, why is it encouraging to know that God won't forget what he purchased? Oh, it's encouraging to know that we're, we're not going to be abandoned. We're not abandoned here. We're not alone. Uh, we have been purchased, as he just said, with a very high price, um, and that we're loved. Uh, it makes the day easier to navigate, if you think upon these things, um, to know that we have hope. We have a future in this current uh, world we're living in is not it. I mean, this is the end. That's good. Um, so we're going to go to the last one, point three. Who is our bridegroom? He's the bridegroom that brings us into the royal family. Uh, Pastor Payne, what kind of family did David inherit in this marriage? It's a bad one. <laughs> I, <don't, laughs> um, I put a Jerry Springer... Um, <laughs> R.I.P. kind of kind of family. <laughs> so just a lot of drama he's walking into. Yeah. I, I think it was a few days ago. I was on my phone and scrolling and a, a Jerry Springer show clip popped up. And I just kept watching it and watching it. And then I was like, this, I just feel like it's a waste of time. <laughs> so, <laughs> I don't know. Probably. Did you ever watch Jerry Springer? Oh, yeah. When it first came on. Did you? Yeah. Yeah. A little bit. I think even as a... As a teenager. As a, yeah, it's on TV, on. and you're like, I can't believe this is on TV. Um, yeah, it was wild. All right. Yeah, so it's a messy family. Mm-hmm. Um, so what kind of family did we inherit with God through Christ? Um, as point three says, a royal family. Um where the the king or the father loved us even while we were his enemy and so you know it's a loving family that there's no end to it's an eternal family um one that is always going to embrace us and lead us to christ and so it's it's one that's never going to abandon us or try to manipulate us yeah, that's a good. Yeah, I like that point, especially manipulation. There's a yeah. lot of see it in our church. You know, there's so many people in our church with families that just try to manipulate them, and you're like, that's not the eternal royal family you get. Um, and I think in many ways, the church family is working towards and trying to represent what they will become in eternity. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's kind of like the reason people don't want to follow Jesus because they've had a bad church experience and we, people use that as an excuse a lot. I get that. But, um, there's some truth, there's truth to that in the sense that like if this church family's brothers and sisters in Christ and they're actually going to go to eternity I don't know if I want to go spend eternity with them you know like if that's my eternal family I don't want to go to eternity and with them and I think we've all been in churches like that where you go to church and you're like I don't want to be in heaven with these people you know 
Um, so that's the importance of it. We're not going to do it perfectly, but to love each other like a, a family that we are and not manipulate each other, not take advantage of each other, to love and serve each other. Um, so that's yeah. what Jesus said. And they'll um, know you are my disciples by the way that you love each other. So, yeah. All right. Summary point, blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb, which I did, before I gave that summary point on Sunday, I read the passage in Revelation 19, which mm-hmm. I'll reference later, but um, for you, Chris, what is the marriage supper of the Lamb? Uh, the marriage supper of the Lamb marks the end of the long engagement period between Christ Jesus and the church. Marks the beginning of the uh, of an eternal, unbroken fellowship of love. You think it'll be a real meal? Like you'll sit down and be like, "This is it. This is the meal." Mm-hmm. What do you think? Thought about it. Never know. Yeah, I hope it is. I mean, like we said, <laughs> you know, <laughs> taco bar and taco bar. My friend, which I don't like cheese, but I would imagine it was a dream. Um, they did a. A cheese fountain with it. They had a taco bar with the cheese fountain, so you can make your taco and just put it, hold it down there. I'm like, that's so gross. I mean, <laughs> gosh, I mean, what? I mean, it's like trying to prove y'all are white trash. <laughs> no, they're good friends. Yeah. <laughs> I hope they don't listen to this. <laughs> ugh, ugh. Cheese should not go through a fountain, chocolate should. So. All right, right. let's go back to this thing. Uh, Jason Payne, who is invited? So, meaning who's invited to the marriage supper? This is, can I read a long uh, parable that, one of my favorite parables. Uh, And I think, I love this parable because it answers so much about salvation. Um, But it'll also help us to answer that question. Who's invited to this marriage supper? This is Matthew 22. This is where I think the answer starts. Matthew 22, starting in verse 1. Jesus spoke to them in parables, saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who gave a wedding feast for his son and sent his servants to call those who were invited to the wedding feast, that they would, but they would not come. Again, he sent the other servants, telling, uh, Tell those who are invited, See, I have prepared my dinner, my oxen, my fat, cat, fat calves, have been slaughtered, everything's ready, come to the wedding feast. And they paid no attention and went off, one to his farm, another to his business. And while the rest seized uh, his servants, treated them shamefully and killed them, the king was angry. He sent his troops and destroyed those murderers and burned their city. Then he said to his servants, the wedding feast is ready, but those invited were not worthy. Go to the main roads and invite the wedding to the wedding feast as many as you find. And those servants went out into the roads and gathered all whom they found, both good and bad. And so the wedding hall was filled with guests. But when the king came in to look at the guests, he saw there was a man who had no wedding garment. And he said to him, friend, how did you get in here without a wedding garment? And he was speechless. Then the king said to the attendants, Bind him hand and foot, cast him into the outer darkness. And in that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And verse 14 is what I quoted on Sunday 
for many are called, but few are chosen. The answer to the question is everyone's invited, um, but not everyone gets to stay. So I would say, maybe this doesn't make me a five pointer of a Calvinist, but um, I would say everyone's invited to the, the wedding feast. Um, but not everyone gets to stay. The people that get to stay are wearing the wedding garment. So what's the wedding garment? This is where it is in Revelation 19. Uh, verse 8, it says, It was granted to her, he's talking about the bride, the church, to clothe herself with fine linen, bright and pure, for the fine linen is the righteous deeds of the saints. So it was granted, not earned, granted, um, and it is the this wedding garment that we wear, that we get to be a part of the wedding feast, the marriage supper of the Lamb. It's the righteousness of Christ clothing the saints. And we can rightly conclude it's those righteous deeds, meaning there is visible fruit of the saints that they're wearing this wedding garment. Um, that's a long answer to a simple question, but that parable just has so much to unpack um, in that. Um, so many warnings, you know, especially when people are invited and they go back to their farm or go back to their business. They're like, I don't have time for this. Um, I mean, you see that all the time. So, that answer the question? Yep. You answered my question. What was your question? <laughs> How are we blessed? Oh, okay. Good. How are That's we blessed? Almost exactly what you just said, actually, is what I have down. <laughs> and my favorite parable, Matthew 22. Well, just looking in, in the story of Revelation, we are clothed in righteousness, and we're finally able to fully fulfill our purpose as the bride, free of sin, pain, and suffering. We're able to fully focus on our Savior. Yeah. So, I mean, that's pretty much sums it up. Yeah. It's, um, to give more of a helpful analogy that I didn't share on Sunday um, and to talk about what you talked about, you know, I've officiated a lot of weddings and I mentioned that in the concluding illustration, but... Um, most couples, when they do big ceremonies, they're all stressed out. Like, and there's a lot of those couples, they spend months, maybe even years preparing for this. And there's a lot of financial obligation and fighting, and blah, 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 drama, family drama, and personal preferences. And you finally get to this wedding day, and then you have a meal. And what often happens is the bride and the groom can't even sit down to eat because now, once they do all of this, now they got to go around to every table and thank all these mm. jokers for coming and eating all their food. <laughs> and it's like, to, to get to this point and not even be able to just enjoy the meal is this reminding of a blessing of like, of all of the pain and all of the struggle um, of this life. And to know that once the the wedding um, happens and the marriage or the marriage supper begins you can just rest and enjoy the food and not feel like what else do I have to do it's already done you don't have to go around and thank anyone 
Um, you don't have to be someone you're not. You don't have to put on a smile when you don't feel like smiling. You can just sit down and rest and enjoy the marriage supper of the Lamb. Um, so hopefully that's an encouragement. And for me, yeah, it would be great if it was real food. Um, so there's got to be real food in heaven, right? It's all going to be wax. You're like, on the table. No. Like, <laughs> it's going to be uh, that scene from Hook where all the. Uh, you remember? Have you watched Hook? Many With all year, the Lost many Boys? Years ago. Uh, you've seen it. You know what I'm oh, talking about, don't you? Pretending it's there. Yeah. He's doing it. He's doing it, Peter. You're really. And then they're eating, like, fake food. And Jesus is like, just pretend like there's food here. And I'm like, come on. Are you. Like. <laughs> You don't remember that scene? Then they have a big food fight, and then Robin Williams gets on the table and chops that coconut in half. Whatever, guys. A lot of people's going to miss out on that one. (laughs) I bet not. I bet there's some Hook fans that listen to this podcast, which is top three of my favorite movies. Could be number one. (laughs) Are you serious? I could quote every line from that. That's the craziest thing I've heard today. No, it's not. Yeah. What's your favorite movie? Favorite movie of all time? Probably Back to the Future. That's a, that's a good that's solid a good classic. Movie. What about you, Baker? I don't know that I have a favorite. I grew up watching Scooby Doo. That was one of my favorites. Scooby- <laughs> <laughs> I, I, mean, I can relate more to Scooby Doo than I can Hook. So. Yeah. Oh man, what is wrong with you all? Hook could Major, be top. Major Pain was a good movie. Yeah, yeah. except if your last name's Pain. <laughs> comes out and everyone just calls you major pain for the rest of your life <laughs> yep that is a good one all right all right well this is concluding we're let's finish talking about weddings here let's start with you maker what's your favorite song played at a wedding you hear it and you're like this is a wedding we got it um well one of them be holy called wedding day by the city harmonics I don't know if you've heard that. I can't play anything. I feel That's like we'll a good get copyright. Song. We played it before before our wedding, and then Karina came into Beautiful by Phil Wickham. Oh, yeah. And that's a good one, too. I love Phil Wickham. All right. So. Those are good. What's your favorite? You Is it the Cupid Shuffle? No. <laughs> At Last by Etta James. Oh. But Same. I probably like that song more because of her and her voice, then then that's a wedding song. How's it go? You've never heard it? Is it at last? Yeah. That's it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. You can't stop there. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you should stop there. <laughs> uh, look, guys, I don't. You know, I preach every week. I don't want everyone to be like, "Can you be on the worship team too?" You know, I'm just trying to be humble. Um, I don't know if you all know this guy, but Dave Barnes. You remember him? That name sounds familiar. Yeah, those those, I know for sure there was God gave me you, was I think in our like wedding photo slide. Oh, okay. And the song on a night like this, if you hear that at a wedding, I'm like, oh, so it just it hits my heart. I'll play it once we're off this that way. Um, Podbean doesn't flag this um, as a copyright infringement, so. All right, we're done. Um, There's no...
private body parts involved in this Sunday's message, so uh, nothing weird in the text, but I even have my points done. Wow. I, I don't Wednesday. know if it'll stick, but my points are done for... I was going to do all of 1 Samuel 19, and I was reading it today, and I thought, I don't think I could do all of it. It's too mm. much. So, which means this 1 Samuel series is never going to end. <laughs> so, all right, who wants to pray? Me? Go for it. All right. God, thank you so much uh, for today. Thank you for your word, for the encouragement, God, and uh, just the reality and truth and the promises uh, of Christ as the bridegroom for the church. Um, God, I pray that that would fill us full of encouragement, that we would be reminded that it is worth it, um, just leading up uh, to the marriage supper of the Lamb and to know and be clothed in the righteousness of Christ, knowing that uh, in the end it will be worth it. Um, and so, God, I'm thankful for uh, Jason Baker and Chris and um, their willingness to prep and record uh, for the podcast. And we um, pray these things in your son's name. Amen. Amen.